Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. We're so grateful to have you with us today for this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. We've got a great conversation if you love wine. But first, I want to remind you that I do have a new book out, Building Your Brand, Make Business Happen in a Global Economy. Uh, So check it out on Amazon or ping me if you'd like to know more. But let's get to the great content. So as I tease, we're going to talk about wine. And what I love about this interview is there's so many aspects to this business. It's not only about um, just structure, but it's also about, uh, you know, reinventing a supply chain and looking at how you go to market and, you know, using science and technology. So here to tell us all about it is a wonderful um, 100 million plus entrepreneur founded other companies. He is a wine expert himself, and he's just got a great story. So I want to introduce you all to Nicholas Mendahara. So welcome, Nicholas, to the program. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I teased it up. Tell us what the company is. <laughs> Palette Club is a new sort of wine club using data science technology to calculate our subscribers, our customers' taste, and we match the wines accordingly. So uh, it is an innovative system using blind tasting and uh, taste clusters in very big depth. We're using 200 traits found in wine and basically to deliver a double curation to you, a curation of the best smaller artisan winemaker and then match to your taste, making basically (laughs) a better bottle out of all your purchases. So I always encourage my listeners to go check out the website, which is palletclub.com, P-A-L-A-T-E-C-L-U-B.com. And what I love about it is it's a very simple site. It's a very friendly site. So from a marketing aspect, I love it. But Honestly, Nicholas, I have to ask you, there's a lot of wine clubs out there. And so really, can you can you give us a little bit more insight as to the motivation for starting the company and how you wanted it to make to be different than everything else that's out there? Yeah, well, it came from a frustration when I moved to the U.S. uh, from France uh, more than six years ago. It was really hard to find um, good value in a store. And so I checked everything online. I actually became a subscriber of a dozen wine clubs. And what I figured out is that it was terrible. <laughs> uh, it, the, the prices, the experience. And I figured out why. And then obviously um, I thought there was it was possible to build a solution um, to, to those problems. The main two problems are choice uh, and, and supply chain. So the, the first problem of choice is, is, is the inheritance of all wine, you know, since decades. So it's really about knowing your stuff. There's just too many uh, SKUs available. It's hard to know exactly what, what, what your taste is and why. Uh, it's really hard to get, to, to get the best value out of a $20 bottle if you don't know so much. 
Um, and the second problem is supply chain, where basically the, the system in America particularly make wine very expensive in the end, particularly if it's known brands uh, yeah. and big, big wine industry, uh, with a lot of people taking a lot of money until it reaches you. So, and that's really, really different than in Europe, where, you know, the, 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 there's more direct distribution and direct uh, sales. Um, so that, you know, $10 ball out of seller in France, uh, you know, sometimes find it for $35 in New York and guess who gets the money? It's not the winemaker. So this is where, where we are disruptive too. So it's not only the technology to match your taste, it's also uh, the supply chain. The other thing I want to mention is that there's wine clubs and wine clubs, right? You have wine clubs from wineries uh, such as Napa, where usually they have tasting rooms and they ship about for $40 a piece uh, good wine, but in limited quantities, and it's always the same, and it's not necessarily uh, the wine matching your taste. I can tell you, for instance, from our data now with dozens of thousands of ratings, only 25% of Americans have actually a preference of taste for the bold type of caps of Napa. Uh -huh. uh, so you can have a, a subscription there and you might actually like the wine and that's totally fine, but you, you won't get like all the full diversity and it's usually pretty expensive. Um, then there are a lot of fake winery wine clubs and that's a terrible. This is bulk juice I mean, companies buying bulk juice, um, bottling it and then slapping a label uh, on it and then ship it to you. And it's usually shipped to you for 12 to $15 with a discount. So you have the impression you're making a good deal, but the wine was bought for $1. So that sounds and, and horrifying. It is. Yeah. But the problem is that the, the, the way the market works in the U S you know, it's a, it's a market where there is a lot of ignorance from the consumer and even those who know they might fall in the trap or they think they know, you know, if you do a blind tasting, you actually figure out that there are not so many people who really know about wine. And, and there's, there is a reality to this. Uh, in 2005, the Supreme Court has making, made a big dent into the, 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 the regulations of wine, which stands in, in the 21st Amendment of the of the Constitution, 1933, post prohibition, and they allowed wineries, if you're a U.S. status winery, to ship interstate directly. Right. So, uh -huh. this created, of course, a goldmine for wine, um, real wineries, uh, such as mentioned before, Napa, Washington State, Oregon, or whatever, uh, everywhere on the West Coast mainly, uh, but any uh, U.S. winery. But then came up these fake winery business models. I call them fake winery they're, they're, because they're official wineries, but they don't produce wine. They just buy uh, juice and they do what, what I said. So I, I, I became a customer of all these companies and it was terrible. I and mean, you either had like to pay the full price and with not fantastic value on the price and all to know your, your stuff, uh, or you had these type of experiences which were supposed to simplify what you're, what you're doing, but which are just marketing gimmicks. I mean, honestly, you see those things. It's, um, you have a quiz and they ask you if you like dark chocolate or whatever, strawberries, and that will define your taste in wine. Any wine expert and <laughs> will tell you like how much BS that is, right? So, but that's America. It is what you get uh, if, if, you know, if you go online and you try to buy stuff. And then of course there are other like main 
um, retailers such as uh, Wine.com, Vivino, and all sorts of competitors. Uh, and that's great if you know what you want and they, they have done good services. If you really know your taste and you can navigate through the millions of labels, then it's fine. But that's that's very hard to do and to get good value. So this is where we come in. We are a global solution where you don't need to. Well, and I think you, yeah, and you said something that's very interesting to me that I guess, I mean, I think about supply chain a lot um, because I just, I love exploring all different types of business models. And there's a lot of young entrepreneurs who really believe more in distributive distributed entrepreneurship, which is, as you said, kind of cutting out the middleman or helping make sure that the people who are at the starting point, which here's the winemakers, get a fair share of money in their pocket or get the right attribution for the the labor of love that they produce. Um, So I've had the opportunity to get familiar with your company and tell us about the taste matching technology because like you said i don't want to buy my wine by just taking a quiz of a couple kinds of foods i like so tell me how it's different with palette club so it's it's a mathematical model and you know people some people call it ai today and and it's actually machine learning in the sense that we use 200 traits found in wine and taste uh we built we rebuilt a complete model i mean with using a bunch of wine experts and um, sommeliers and mathematicians, data scientists, if you want, neuroscientists as well. All sorts of people know the impact between um, wine, how it's produced and what it can mean about taste, right? So of course we have like the regular classical uh, traits such as acidity and, and tannins and sweetness and things like that. So the difference between all the other uh, kind of supposed measurements of your taste is that we do precisely enter all those traits uh, tasted by professional sommeliers for every bottle we choose to in our portfolio and we ship it blind so we cover the label with a tissue it's it's the same bottle with the same Uh label but we cover it with a tissue and a secret ball number so you can rate them from one to five. That's the only thing we require from our customers. You don't have to do it. You can cheat, but most of the customers do it and it's kind of fun. Uh, we do it in, in, in the app. As soon as you have four ratings because of the type of balls we choose, which are very eclectic, of course, and which come in, in a nice box to start with, uh, we, we kind of put you on the map. So in, in things that are science, that is called clusters. I know that word is not very popular at the moment, but globally it is. Um, we, we found that for red, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, you have about 10 major clusters. So 10 major types of tastes. Uh, it doesn't mean that you will only like one and not like the others. It doesn't mean that it, it just means you have an affinity. Everybody is different because taste is a lot smell, particularly in things wine. And um, everybody has a different smell, believe it or not. It's all very complicated in, in those spaces. Um, but then again, you might have an affinity which is much higher for two or three different clusters and others you won't like. And we will figure out pretty quickly with four ratings uh, where you kind of situated. It doesn't mean we know everything, but we know already a lot thanks to the other data we have. That's the magic of data science. Once you have a lot of data, uh, when you acquire a new profile, you don't need 
as much data as when you started to have uh, to have a, a better ID. And then the system um, chooses bottles according to that. And since we algorithmify all the bottles of the portfolio, we're very precise. And the system works. I can tell it now because we have again like dozens of thousands of ratings of customers which they made blind before we knew anything about their profile. And after the algorithms have chosen the bottles and the average rating goes up by 30%. So, and then it continues to learn. So I can say, not only we know, uh, I mean, the, the database and the way the, the, the thing we built with a lot of iteration, a lot of hard work is actually working, but it's, it's before anything else, it makes uh, customers happy. So, uh, and in the process, you learn about wine, you, you know, you make wine education very easy uh, and you learn about your taste. Um, I, I would like to say one more thing here is uh -huh. what taste is super complicated. It's not about, oh, I like sweet things or I don't like sweet things. It, it, it's particularly for wine, you know, it's, it's not that simple. Uh, you know, if you take an analogy with food, I like chocolate and I like uh, strawberries, but I don't like desserts when chocolate and strawberries are together. Like a cho chocolate strawberry cake, I don't like that. But separately, I love them, right? So this is why it's so complicated because you might like an Italian wine because it's a, it has great acidity and great tannins, which usually is, is, is very often the case with Italian wines. But then we figure out you don't like that one particularly because you don't like when it's mixed mixed with a cherry or too much earthiness and that is well that is magic basically and that's what we what we do well let's um go back now and talk more about the business structure and the and the business model so all of this leads me to a curiosity um how long were you in that want to say like pre-revenue stage because you had to build all of this this data um how long did it take until you were like, okay, we are we are ready to rock and roll? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the famous Reed often saying from LinkedIn, if you are not embarrassed uh, by your product when you launch it, you launch too late. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. say, um, the at least a year of development before we had a decent beta where you know, people could start to have a, an experience at events, for instance, is how we started. It was very good to start with events because you have a lot of direct immediate feedback and a lot of uh, ratings. Uh, you know, we started to learn about the system, what was wrong, what went well, uh, and what people really wanted. So, yeah, it took at least a year before we actually had like a consumable beta and then another year to have a product which really makes sense completely for the end customer and another year to make it much better, <laughs> which is the case today. So um, from learning from all the customers and from, of course, the data. And, you know, Nicholas, you're really, um, if our listeners go in and find you on LinkedIn and, and look at your background, you're really um, a very successful e-commerce entrepreneur. Is there any specific insights that you would give to somebody who's considering launching an e-commerce business? I know that's probably like a very wide open question. Yeah, I mean, thank you. I mean, uh, you know, 
objectively, if you if you read uh, Jeff Bezos' uh, letters and you stick to his mm -hmm. advice, uh, you're probably gonna get a, a, a very good concentration of what uh, needs to be done to have a a good e-commerce business. The, the first and foremost thing is just be obsessed about your customer satisfaction, right? Uh, because lifetime value and and repeat customer is just much harder to get uh, in e-commerce than acquisition. Acquisition, you will always be able to find different channels of getting new customers, uh, but making them stick to your product so that you know they really uh, love what you do, uh, and that is what Amazon has been mastering before anything else. I mean, the the the, the level of service and price and, and type of inventory makes like, people super loyal. Now they have zillions of, of prime customers, right? So that's my main advice, I would say. You know, you have to be obsessed about customer satisfaction uh, and this is what we are. And, you know, right now our problem is not to uh, convince customers to stay with us once they're there because they're super happy and we see they stay because the product and they tell us, they tell us we're really happy. Um, of course, it's not for everyone. Some people, you know, don't want that. They don't want like, to be completely created and they don't want to be completely taken care of or whatever, but this is what we do. Um, but but when we meet our customers, they really, they, they really want that. Then the other thing is you have to find and iterate uh, the product uh, all the time according to your customer learnings. This is I think what any good e-commerce uh, company does or should do is reiterate, re-innovate, um, try a new feature and, of course, uh, listen to what customers say. F for instance, for us today, customers tell us, oh, we love well, what you do for wine. Can you not do it for chocolate, tea, coffee, etc.?" cetera? So uh, for us, the vision of Pad Club will probably be uh, to go in other categories as well. Um, and that, that would make sense. Well, and that's so the next question I was going to ask you is, is what is the vision in the next two, three, five years for Pallet Club? Yeah, we'll stick to wine first because you know we're still a dwarf in in the industry. It's a very fragmented industry, but you know if you want to have a dent in that industry, you still there's still a lot of things to build, and we need to build acquisition channels and partnerships. And we now have a very strong product, and and again, uh, I think. Uh, we're going to probably grow very fast now with, with with acquisition channels. Once we've reached, you know, a number of like, you know, very profitable scheme and, and long term like um, uh, loyalty of customers, then it will definitely be other categories. Which one we will start with, I can't tell you because that will definitely depend on some survey with customers. But but we've been asked a lot about you know whiskey and craft beer categories, of course, uh, also alcohol, but but a lot of other categories, including cheese. And so we'll see that. And obviously, since I'm French, uh, uh, there is a big chance uh, we will um, expand and, and introduce Pirate Club on the uh, Europe European market, which works a little bit differently on the supply uh -huh. chain. But Europeans uh, want also that piece of discovery of bottles from all over the world. It's actually what made me be frustrated in the first place and get where I got the ID, right? I went in shops in the US, I only saw inventory, which I saw, which either I knew and was very expensive and a bad deal, uh, or I didn't know. And then I felt like an idiot, like knowing wine very well since 20 years, but being lost in front of those labels, like any anybody else. So 
Um, so this in Europe is actually still the same. You know, you still have uh, like, uh, of course, French culture. You will understand wine a little bit better because you've, you've, you're surrounded by wine. But if you ask a French about Australian wines or, or California wines, they don't know. So uh, this is where we <laughs> will probably bring to them the other way around, you know. Well, thank you so much for your time. I could ask you so many more questions, but we we try to keep these concise. Um, can you tell people if they want to learn more where they can go or how they can connect to you? So it's very simple. Uh, palateclub.com, P-A-L-A-T-E club.com or Palate Club app in the iOS and Android store. If you want to reach out to me, I'm uh, on Twitter at Mendy, M-E-N-D-I. And you can also uh, email me, Nicholas, without an H, uh, N-I-C-O-L-A-S at palateclub.com. I'll be very happy for your feedback. If you try our product, I'm also very happy to give some promo codes for people who want to try. Yeah, well, I'm I'm ready. I'm going to get online because I look at those lovely bottles that you described in the tasting kit all wrapped. And I'm like, I got a few friends that will love to come over and do some tasting with me. So I do encourage our listeners to, to go check it out. Um, Nicholas, thank you for being a wonderful guest. And, and to our audience, if Nicholas uh, shared a part of the story, whether it was on e-commerce or whether it was on the wine industry that you think somebody else needs to hear, please pass a copy of this episode along to them. And if there is a disruptive and innovative CEO that you think we need to speak with, send me a note at connect at Allison K summers.com until then keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive nicholas thank you again for what a delightful interview thank you thank you so much Allison. this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business podcasts visit c-suiteradio.com <laughs>